Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Somatic Podcast. This is the first episode of a new year of 2020, um, and we've got uh, an exciting show to start off the year. Uh, I've actually got Sam here with me. Hello. Hey, Sam, what's going on? Um, and Sam's just going to talk a little bit about what we're going to do in this episode, something slightly different for us, uh, and then he'll kick it back to me uh, just to give you some info, and then we'll uh, get started on the episode. So, Sam, what's this one all about? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Oliver. Um, we thought in this episode, we we decided that we want to talk about a recently published book that's uh, coming from the sociology of sport field. Now, we haven't really made this kind of episode, um, I guess, in the history of the podcast, you know, like an episode that's just talking about a specific book. Usually, we have um, episodes about, they're kind of thematic, or they're, you know, based on an interesting topic, a relevant topic that's in collaboration with other scholars that are studying sport. Um, There are other podcasts out there. There's a podcast series called New Books in Sport, which they interview um, authors of recently published books. Um, So we don't usually do this, but we we thought it's kind of a unique opportunity um, to go in-depth about a book that we think is is pretty meaningful and has something important to say about contemporary sport, physical culture, and the active body. Um, So it's a book that's uh, about to be released by Rutgers University Press, and it's titled Sport, Physical Culture, and the Moving Body, Materialisms, Technologies, Ecologies. Um, It's an edited volume edited by uh, Joshua Newman, Holly Thorpe, and David Andrews, who are three uh, significant figures uh, in the sociology of sport and sports studies fields uh, internationally. Uh, Now, coincidentally, Oliver, you are one of the chapter authors in this book, so maybe you could give us a little bit of an idea uh, of what the book is about, uh, maybe some of its arguments. Yeah, so uh, me and a colleague, Jake Bustad, have a a chapter in this, and um, I think our work, interestingly, like, uh, it's it's the book covers a hell of a lot of ground so i think our book uh, our chapter fits right in with the theme of the book but does not necessarily cover everything there's there's a lot in here um and really what the book tries to do is cover ground in terms of this new theoretical turn in the field um that's trying to look uh at a number of different things but we move beyond ideas of structuralism um to a large extent to uh beyond kind of political economy beyond um uh, for us in our case it was looking beyond critical urban theories and things like that to looking at things that are a bit more complex a bit more emergent um indeterminate in nature um trying to kind of sit with that idea um and this covers a number of things from kind of new materialism um to post-humanism uh and in in our case looking at assemblage uh assemblages and urban assemblages so it really does a lot uh in the text and and you can see see that and hopefully we'll be able to kind of uh, between talking to the editors and talking to some select authors, uh, we'll be able to kind of show the breadth of what this is trying to do. And so for that reason, um, in particular, the book is really going to be very seminal for our field. Um, it's going to be a kind of stake in the ground for this turn and how our field has embraced this turn um, in its many kind of different forms, I guess. Uh, so it will be a huge starting point for anyone that's trying to do work in this area um, around the moving body, around physical culture. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to be able to, to be able to talk about it on the podcast and, um, share it with all of you, um, and, and kind of get something that's going to be just, I think is going to be really big, 
a big reference going forward for us, uh, for all of us collectively. Um, so we're excited to be able to bring that, bring that to all of you in a discussion about what that book is. Um, well, we won't keep you any longer. Um, I'll check back in at the end again, just with some info uh, about the blog post that will go with the episode and any links and things like that. Um, but with that, we'll just get uh, straight into it. It is fair to say that this text is taking on a big task. As scholars start to embrace and expand on the ideas of materialisms, technologies, and ecologies when studying physical culture, this book seeks to provide an overview. With that in mind, this episode is going to be broken down into two parts. In part one, we establish what the book is as a whole text, uh, and in part two, we will speak to one of the chapter authors to provide an example of detail that is covered uh, across this book. In order to provide an overview of the book, we speak with the editors, Dr. David Andrews, Professor at the University of Maryland, Dr. Holly Thorpe, Professor and Associate Dean in the Faculty of Health, Sport and Human Performance at the University of Waikato, and Joshua Newman, I'm coming to you from Florida State University. We asked each of them how they would summarize the book as a whole. Overall, this book is a collection of scholars from around the world who are each in their own work trying to push themselves they're trying to ask new questions they're engaging with with some pretty innovative theoretical approaches uh, new concepts we've got actor network theory we've got um, object oriented ontologies we've got feminist materialisms We've got ecologies theories. We've got some really um, interesting theoretical approaches and new ideas and scholars, some of the best in our field actually, who are grappling with these new ideas and putting them into to context in their own work and asking themselves and asking the reader, what more can we know? How can we know the sporting, moving body differently when we ask different types of questions? And so uh, throughout the book, there is this, this sort of thread that runs all the way through it with some of our greatest minds from our field asking these really challenging questions. And some of them don't have the answers, but they're really, I think, quite courageous and ambitious um, in terms of going into uncharted territories um, building upon what we know, but also really reaching out to see what else we can know. And I do think this is a really important time for this type of work. We have some very uh, challenging times ahead of us with um, what's happening in the world socially, environmentally, uh, politically. And I do believe that our field, our discipline needs to be as daring and courageous as possible to to ask ourselves some really challenging questions about how we can know differently and what can we do with this knowledge we need to reimagine the possibilities the politics the kind of activisms that our work can contribute and i do i feel very confident that the authors in this book and the book with the chapters put together make a really important contribution in this really important social moment um, we might not have all the answers in this book, that is for sure, but we've got scholars who are 
are courageously asking new questions and and I hope other other readers around the world um, take inspiration from this because it's, it's it's really hard work to do I've been working in this space myself for a long time and it's it's hard um, so I applaud all of our authors who have worked so hard to to push themselves and I hope others uh, pick up these ideas and try to ask new questions and see how far we can go with new materialisms, with post-humanisms. Let's see how far it can take us and if it takes us somewhere else and if we can really use this knowledge to make an important contribution in, in a time where our future um, for this for planet Earth is very, very uncertain. And the, the role of sport in all of this, what is the role of sport? Um, what are the politics for the future? What, what are moving bodies? What are their entanglements and assemblages and interactions and connections with the environment, with objects? This, these, are really, these are really big questions and this book is, is trying to put them firmly on the agenda. Um, and I, I really hope that those in our field um, see it as um, an opportunity um, to, to ask some new questions. The overarching um, focus of the project for me was to try and get a handle on what we could call the material turn within sociology, sport or physical culture. Not that it wasn't always material, but I think it's the book on a number of different levels interrogates the relationship between, you know, the material and the non-material from different vantage points. And I think that's quite useful. There is no singular way of doing this. Uh, and I think the the diverse approaches within the book show that and the di diverse kind of almost at times empirical levels or scales that are engaged and the way that these different things are, are brought together. I think it's quite interesting to to see the different approaches. That's that's what I like about it. And really, in many ways, that's what I hope the book would come out with. And I think it's a, it's succeeded in that regard. And what we're really, I think, trying to do here is to form a particular and, and a very complex approach that takes us beyond what Latour refers to as the sociology of the so social. And again, it does not mean we're looking to move beyond or abandon historical thinking or dialecticism. Um, and speaking for myself, I think that the two are quite commensurable. Um, this point is in some ways e echoed in the various chapters of the book, but I think there's a vital metaphysics here, which is certainly not new, but which can, if enacted in, 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 in productive ways, give us better and new answers about how things like power and identity and ideology interact with and in some ways are produced by associations we haven't often looked at.
Next, Dr. Holly Thorpe provided us with some background as to how the book came about and the impetus for why it came together now. This is a really good question because I think for any project like this, there's multiple sources of inspiration and um, reasons that different people come together to, to contribute. And I should say that uh, I've been working with feminist theory and new materialisms probably from around 2011, 2012. I started dabbling in some of this, um, this literature and have gone each year um, a bit deeper and a bit deeper and found myself spinning around at times but finding also a lot of inspiration and a lot of kind of challenges to to see how and if it's possible to think differently and work differently and to understand the sporting moving body differently and so I'd been working in that area for a while and uh, Josh Newman and I um, had a conversation at NAS and realised that we were both asking similar types of questions, though in different kinds of ways. And we wanted to um, sort of bring that conversation together. We also acknowledged that there were others in the field who were also exploring the possibilities of post-humanism, new materialisms, and different approaches or possibilities for moving sort of beyond some of our humanist and representationalist tendencies that we've had in our field for some time so we uh, started build, uh, you know getting together a book proposal and it was at that time that we heard that Dave Andrews ha- um, had a kind of group grow a growing growing group um, working in a similar space so we decided to combine the forces and um, yep we got the book proposal up and running and we we're really excited actually for this for this book you know, as a, really as a collection, bringing together the people across the world from emerging scholars right up to, you know, really established uh, leaders in our field um, to bring the work together uh, around new materialisms uh, and post-humanisms so that we could actually continue building this dialogue. And so for me, um, yeah, it's really helped us see where we're at in terms of the research and also where we need to still go, where the big gaps are. Uh, I think we've still got some pretty significant gaps, particularly around um, how do we how do we represent this work, how do we do this work methodologically. Um, and I think it's, it's quite cool to see scholars um, taking up already taking up this book although it's just it's just coming out now in terms of and coming out in print um it's been in motion for quite some time and the work over you know has been building over this time as well so yeah lots of exciting directions that already people are going in lastly dr josh newman gives us an outline of what this book can do for those reading it and what he hopes it will contribute to thinking about sport and physical culture what I think the book offers, particularly as it relates to um, scholarship that's defining um, critical ways of, of, of studying uh, sport, physical activity in the contemporary university, is hopefully uh, a new set of devices, strategies, and approaches that scholars, young and old alike, can utilize to further augment um, their research and their teaching as they 
continued to shine the light on the ways in which sport, physical activity, production, consumption, participation, um, identification, all these things are formed relationally or associationally, meaning that when we start to think about uh, any given uh, act of consumption, any given identity, any given celebrity or event or whatever that might might be, that we can point to not just uh, representational discursive actors and nodes that could be kind of assembling in and around those events or in and around those particular acts, but we can look at other sort of lines of flight, other associations that are drawn in by way of the event. And I think that's important as we start to look at how a boxing glove or a wave has agency, how a a particular sporting event, and here I don't mean necessarily a Super Bowl, but a concussion, which happens quite regularly on on an American football field, for example, can set in motion and pull into association a number of other actors, science, scientific discourse. Um, uh, it can set into uh, effect uh, a, a range of tweets from a president about how the nation is becoming soft or hard and, and what this means as it relates to the particular geopolitical uh, environment in which that tweet is, is emerging. All these things, I think, can give us new ways to map out, uh, almost in a, in a cartographic way, the function and role that something like sport or physical activity continues to play in the broader um, sort of human and, and non-human ecologies that we, we exist within. With that overview in place, we now talk to the chapter author, Dr. Marianne Clark, who's a postdoctoral fellow at the Vitalities Lab at the University of New South Wales. She'll provide detail on her chapter, which really highlights the broad empirical focus of the text overall, as well as some of the impressive theoretical depth that each of the chapter's authors have reached uh, in their writing. Here is Dr. Clark. In my master's study, I spoke to young adolescent girls about their experiences and understandings of physical activity. And in their stories, they often described physical activity as an important part of being healthy, which was then described as um, generically as being fit or skinny. But then many of them shared with me that they loved to dance, whether it be in organized dance classes offered at a studio or simply making it routines with their friends. And when they spoke about dance, they described something sort of more complex and vital than what emerged in their understandings of physical activity. Something that to me pointed towards a pleasurable kinesthetic experience and also the ability to engage in something that was expressive and meaningful to them uh, in ways that they didn't really have access to in other areas of their life. So this stood out to me probably also because I I have a background in dance. I always say that ballet was my first love. Um, But as a feminist scholar, I've noted the tensions between loving something like ballet and its association with uh, disciplinary or feminizing practices. So I believed that there was something going on in these girls' stories, something that pointed to um, something that merited further attention. I think there were two things I was trying to argue through my chapter. And the first very 
generally was that thinking with new materialisms really requires a careful rethinking of how we conduct inquiry and how we understand knowledge production processes. So, for example, when I was conducting this work, I had to really think about how I was implicated, not only implicated, but also produced through the, these processes and that I was not necessarily an outside observer that could somehow capture and then accurately represent these social phenomena as I saw them, but that I was already sort of in the mangle of these processes. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, I wanted to open up the ways that we might think about ballet bodies and what ballet bodies do. I think we often understand ballet in specific ways, and one understanding that has always given me pause is that ballet is a feminizing practice, that it's disciplinary, and then the slender, ethereal ballet body that we can all imagine comes to stand in as the representation of disciplined femininity, and it becomes problematic. And these understandings, I believe, constrain how we can then make sense of and constrain our ability to hear what girls are telling us when they say that they enjoy dance, and it, they risk trivializing or even pathologizing this enjoyment of ballet. And they also foreclose curiosity about why and how the actual physical performance of ballet matters to girls. So by elaborating on representational understandings of the ballet body, I try to emphasize the capacity of ballet bodies to create relationships with other human and non-human bodies around them and tried to highlight how these relationships mattered in specific and meaningful ways to the adolescent girls I spoke to. You know, girls' experiences of ballet are about so much more than the discursive construction of the slim ballet body. Um, so for example, the materiality, the materiality of the ballet studio, of the clothing, of the shoes, of the ribbons, um, of the ballet bar, of the physical practices themselves, and of the relationships that these practices afford, these all emerged as really important and merit our attention. However, it's very important to remember that these practices occur within specific socio-political contexts. So in this study, the dance studio provided a really unique space for girls. It provided a space in which very close, intimate friendships could emerge. Um, for pleasurable, non-sexualized, exhilarating movement and physical experiences. Uh, it provided space for these kinds of experiences that were not afforded in other social spaces in their lives, and I believe that's very important. But that, that matters. That tells us something about the broader, and what I argue are fairly troubling, socio-cultural political context in which girls come to understand and make sense of their moving bodies in contemporary society. Um, it, by looking at these practices, I believe it illuminates the backdrop against which these practices are set and, and points, to, points to the problems with them in perhaps new ways or kind of re, reorients, uh, reorients our attention to these problems. So it, it's, there's always a political aspect to it. While much has been made of the representational ballet body, we can all imagine its extreme slenderness, um, its ethereality, and we can imagine then the disciplinary practices that often go into building this body, especially at the elite level. And while there are 
absolutely prob problematic aspects to this. I believe, as I mentioned before, it risks overdetermining how we understand dance and it retains the body as passive. It retains the body as something that can be represented and that is the effect of the workings of power. And I hope that my chapter does a couple of things. I hope that it disrupts these totalizing understandings and moves our thinking beyond what ballet bodies look like and instead what they might do. And I, I hope that my chapter also emphasizes that the experiences of adolescent girl ballet dancers um, are multiple, but they're also that they're very meaningful. The practice of ballet is often deeply corporeal and effective for young girls and women, and that it affords relationships and experience that matter to girls in specific ways, and that play important roles in their lives in this particular socio-historical political moment. It is these that merit our attention at point to more expansive spaces for inquiry, um, I believe. And also in the backdrop is the argument that I hope that I, or what I believe is important is that adolescent girls' movement experiences are important. And um, ballet, in that it's often associated with being very feminine, can be trivialized. Um, it often lies on the outskirts of conversations of physical activity and health. Um, but that it really, that it is important, that it does matter, and that we need to take girls' stories and experiences seriously. Well, that does it for us in this episode. Um, sport, physical culture, and the moving body, materialisms, technologies, and ecologies from uh, Rutgers University Press. Such a great book um, with just really an impressive range of authors that we're excited uh, to, to dig in further uh, as we go forward, uh, dig in further into what they've written. Um, you know, we've had our hands on the book for a while now, but there's just more and more that comes out every time we pick it up. Um, we're really happy uh, that we were able to bring this uh, this overview of the book to you guys. Um, and we really do encourage everyone who has an interest in studying uh, physical culture, sport, the moving body in the broadest sense of the term. Um, you, you know, we really encourage you to give this a read. And, and I think it will, will really push anyone um, to, to think uh, again about how how they want to do that, uh, do that study, carry out that that study of, of physical culture, the moving body and sport. Um, in the next episode we'll get back to a more regular show um, and we look forward uh, to sharing that with you uh, once we get that developed um, as always you can find the accompanying blog post for this episode at somaticpodcast.com uh, if you have any questions or feedback you can reach out to us at somaticpodcast.gmail.com um, and we're always looking for new ideas for, for episodes so if you've been doing some work in this sort of area um, and you want to have a go at putting together an episode with us, we're always open to new ideas, so definitely reach out. Um, with that, all I really have uh, left to say is that this has been Somatic. <laughs>